It's Monday, May 22nd, and we have Joe LaJoy of River City Wood-Fired Pizza. There's coffee everywhere. And we propose the question, is all pizza good pizza? Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Hello and welcome to Eat It Virginia, your number one podcast source for food news and interviews with the people who make Virginia restaurants great. Follow us on social media at Eat It Virginia and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. My name is Scott Wise and I am joined as always by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. I am so happy today, Roby. We are talking about one of my most favorite things in the whole entire world. Pizza. I know you're happy. Uh, let's answer the question, or you answer the question right now. Is all pizza good pizza? 99.999% of pizza is good pizza. And I know How you have, are we friends? I know you How have a different, are we friends? I know you have a different take on that. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. You know what, I don't know what it is, but I am not wasting my hard-earned hot yoga calories on cruddy arse pizza. I feel you. I feel you more than you'll ever know on that comment. I I have a love-hate relationship with pizza because I start eating it and I cannot stop eating it. And I, that's why I don't order it as much as I, as I would like to because it's a challenge to me. Like if I get one slice, that's fine. But when I order the round pizza, I, I feel like pizza is challenging me and I have to eat it all. And I generally do. <laughs> The whole thing? The whole thing, Roby. It's a problem. <laughs> don't, don't laugh. It's a problem. I have issues, and that is one of them. Well, the cool thing is that you can eat one of Joe's whole pizzas because his are made to be eaten the whole thing by one person, which is very, very cool. Wood-fired. We get into how hard that is. He's a fun interview. He has a lot of knowledge with respect to dough that he's learned over the years and building things yeah what a background he was a richmond city sheriff in the jail for a part of his career a home builder um he's been all over the place now he's now he's making pizza on richmond bringing smiles to the faces of the masses is it possible roby that the best pizza in town is served out of a truck one hundo yeah (laughs) isn't that wild no it is not wild i think you know I think, what is the origination of pizza? It's uh, portable, um, never did actually started without cheese. So no, it is not impossible that it is served from a truck. Well, we have a very fun interview with Joe coming up for you in a moment. I want to talk about a second, one of my most favorite things, and that would be coffee. (laughs) Oh, your favorite? (laughs) Yeah, my favorite. (laughs) I am a co-host, aren't I? Yeah, oh, let me tell you. Yeah, I think I think that that should be our next sponsorship. Coffee? Yeah, someone somebody from a coffee company please sponsor Eat It Virginia because we go through gallons of it. And we have so many uh, potential sponsors from which to choose or they could choose us. Oh, uh, they could choose us, but I Roby and you know I have this new favorite. Tell me about it. Afterglow coffee, man. Uh, Afterglow. Money. That stuff's so good. I can't figure out what they're doing to it. I mean, I know what they're doing to it, right? But there's got to be an extra step with this. So when you are caught, what is your go-to coffee order? Do you have a standard order at every place or does it change from location to location? 
I'm standard black. Every single location, every everything, I'm a black coffee drinker. Like medium, light, dark, does it matter? Um, of course it matters, but. It, it matters, right? But I'm actually equal opportunity there. Um, I know it matters to a lot of people, but I really just want it to be a, a well-sourced bean. I mean, that's really my standard on coffee. I, I don't do Starbucks. I think it tastes pretty cruddy. I think Panera is marginally better. I stay with the local stuff. And Afterglow is in Scott's edition. And right. it was started by the former employees of Lamplighter. Am I right on that history? I think you are correct on that history. Um, and you can find it at surrounding counties. If you go out there for one of their collages or something similar, you could find it. Um, I mean, it's all over. You could buy it by, in bulk, which was what I would suggest. Um, pretty good stuff. How do you pronounce the new one that's over there um, next to Stella's? I'm going to go with... Um... <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with <laughs> clear your threat. Let's roll. <laughs> R e r e v i r e s c o revesco. There it is. I don't know there. what language it is, but I'm gonna put a little Italian behind it. I, I think that sounds great. Um, How do you pronounce it, Roby? Uh, I pronounce it as "Hey, give me a black cup of your coffee" because because <laughs> it there's a Carytown blend that sounds really good. I'm excited about it. I actually had an interesting cup of coffee the other day. I met a friend for a cup at Grits over near Libby Grove. You know they're opening one in Scott's Edition? Oh, no, it's open. It's open in Scott's Edition. It's open. I have not yet uh, visited, but it'll be on my list of places to check out. Anyway, I usually get a, a cup of black coffee as well. Uh, sometimes I'll put a shot of espresso in it. And that's exactly what I was going to order until I saw the specials menu um, at, the, at the cash register. And I forget all the ingredients, but the one that jumped out at me was like salt it was just like coarse salt and i was like that's so interesting to put in coffee i'm gonna try that and true to the name of the um coffee shop it was a little gritty but the, <laughs> but the flavor was really like i was crunching on my coffee which was an odd experience but it tasted really good and it's so a beverage gonna, and a snack that's right it's enough enough coffee talk roby oh come on i'm ready to eat some pizza I'm ready to hear about how he's making all that pizza in that wood-fired oven, temperamental as it is. Let's talk with Joe LaJoy, River City Wood-Fired Pizza. Coffee, if you had this morning, it's a lot. <laughs> I have had like 92 interviews this morning, like, Plans it's been a lot. Too close to yours. It's, but I love that stuff, uh, it's my favorite. I absolutely love that stuff. I love actually a lot of our local coffee, which is really awesome because we could have some, we could have some really, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the handshake. Handshake's really good, too. Yep, love it. I'm a breakfast blend guy myself. Are you? Yes, every morning, every morning, the breakfast blend from Blanchard's. I buy the beans. I, so I grind my own beans too. Do, does our stand. guest? Do, do you grind your own beans? I do. And you're a black dog. I'm a black dog. Handshake. Or handshake. I like breakfast handshake too. Well, welcome to the podcast, Joe LaJoy. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's very cool. We got he makes his own pizza and grinds his own beans. He's my hero. I'm, I've known him for six minutes, and he's my hero. All of a sudden, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't make my own pizza. Actually, I have made my own dough. It was awful. When I first started, mine was also awful. <laughs> I'll think, oh, well, that gives me hope, right? So People would eat it, and it was very crunchy, and I was like, why don't you just spit that out and throw it away because you're going to chip a tooth. Oh, good gosh. Yeah, it was terrible. So 10 years you've had the 
pizza truck? Two trucks. trucks. Two, well, we've had two for about five. So what did you do before and how do you get into River City Woodfire Pizza? What didn't I do before? I suffer from a little bit of ADHD. That's okay. So I last about five years everywhere I've been. It was worked for the sheriff's office in the city, drove a tractor trailer, did beer sales, construction companies, you name it. And I got out of the rat race in 2006 and started another construction company because that's what I'd done out of high school. And we got stuck in our house from the 2008 crash housing market. So I just kept fixing it up. And we just had this little small rancher over off Jank and Forest Hill. And by the time we left there, it was completely remodeled. But before we did, I was like, man, I'd start to get into making sourdough bread. And then I got obsessed with it. And then I was making pizza on the grill. And I was like, man, I want one of those Italian wood-fired ovens. You know, it can't be that hard to build one. And so I started researching on the internet and I saw one on a trailer and I went down that rabbit hole. And now here we are. Did did you build your first? Yeah, I, I built all of them. Oh, the trucks you have now, you it, built those too? Well, I got the trailer I have now, the big one. I ordered it done. So like the plumbing was in it, the sinks was in it, the hood was in it. Then we got it up here and we welded the stand, built the oven and put in all the equipment, put on the generator boxes, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it was uh, crazy because I saw it on the trailer. My first thought was, how does it not rattle apart? It's concrete. So it took me down that one. Then I was like, man, this would be really cool. You could tailgate with it. You could take it everywhere. And so there was a company in Boulder, Colorado at the time that was running a business and their business was fire within. They've since sold it. And I think it's up in Maryland now, but they were running this little two and a half day course of how to have your own pizza business at a farmer's market. And I looked at my wife, I was like, you want to go to Boulder? And she the answer like, is always yes to that, by yeah. the way. Whenever someone invites you to Boulder. Traveling is always a yes. Uh, and none of us do enough of it. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. so much fun to get outside your own box, mm-hmm. you know, so we went up there, and the course, the guy was kind of a, a hack, but his trailers were nice. Oh, well, and I was crawling all over him, taking lining. pictures. Yeah, my wife was like, are you going to buy one? I was like, for 25 grand? No. But she goes, you're going to build one? I go, yeah, I think I can build this. And we built it for about 8500 bucks. Oh, nice. And then I found How long does it take to build a pizza truck? Well, when you're, you know, it's like any other hobby. It was a hobby at the time, right? So this one was basically just a trailer. And what was your full-time at that time? Because you mentioned you mentioned a few. Okay. I was doing construction. Like home yeah. construction? or Yeah, we were doing like a, a painting and power washing, interior trim, you know, deck repair, just whatever. Eating pizza this whole time in your life. Yeah. Well, my dad, there's a lot of kids. We have six kids. And so my dad always had a part-time job managing a pizzeria most of my There it is. So it kind of came from that. Full circle. Yeah. Got to make dad proud. Was it it good pizza where he had the part-time job? I mean, mean, now that you know a lot about pizza. It was commercial pizza, yeah. (laughs) I mean, all pizza is pretty much good pizza. Yes. 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 No. I mean, it's very rare. I disagree. I'm very rare that I'll spit a piece of pizza out and go, what is this? I'm with Joe on that. I am not with Joe. I think you can have really cruddy pizza. That's why you're a food critic, and we're I just mean, pizza enthusiasts. Now, now you've <laughs> got now you've got to factor in how much alcohol have you had before you had that pizza. I don't even like cruddy pizza when I've had too much to drink. Really? No, Man. I would really rather just war through the beer. 
I mean, <laughs> like, honestly, the idea of cruddy pizza, you can, I mean, I know the big pizza place that's after the drinking. I mean, it started in Blacksburg. <laughs> right, right, And I right. went to school at Tech. Nice. You know, I don't care. The lo- the bigger the slice does not make it better pizza. Quantity <laughs> is just not more, better. You're saying it's just more sadness. It's, it's a bigger slice of sadness. A, yeah, it's just a bigger slice of sadness to the face. No. Was it an album from the early 90s, Bigger Slices of Sadness? <laughs> like Morrissey or the Smiths or something? There, there was sure. definitely some spiked hair in the back and hair in the front in front of the eyes. Uh, yeah. There, yep, for sure. Some wild earrings. Sadness pizza. <laughs> Sadness pizza. That's your, your new, new fish song. Your, hey, watch it. <laughs> Coming too close to home there. All right, It'll I'm sorry. A long one. I took us off the rails. Uh, no, you're, it's fine. You're, you're building your $8,500 truck. Yeah, so well, it was literally just a trailer with the oven on top. So you were cooking outside under a tent. Which, you know, a lot of businesses like this, when you first start thinking about it, especially when it's food, it's the romance of it. It's like, oh, I'm going to make pizza outside. And you very quickly realize that, man, I got to haul this stuff there, unpack it, use it, repack it, take it back, clean it, unpack it. It's like it just got old real fast. And we had built this trailer and I was like, all right, like, I have no idea what we're doing here. So I found a guy who I'm still very good friends with to this day, even though he sold the business, who was doing this up in Leesburg near D.C. I just called him. I was like, hey, you want some free help? And he was like, yeah. So I rode up there for a bunch of weekends over the next six, eight months and helped him make pizza, did whatever, wash dishes, and he kind of taught us the business. And then we came back here, and we almost finished the trailer. And uh, my wife had me come to one of her work events and I was like, well, is there going to be free beer and food? And she was like, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll go to that. (laughs) And I just happened to be walking by this group of ladies and I heard her say, oh, she wanted wood fire pizza at her wedding, but the truck was already booked. And at the time, uh, Victoria had pizza tonight. Remember pizza tonight? Mm -hmm. So that's who she was talking about. And uh, I stopped. I was like, oh, I'm not even going to pretend like I didn't hear that, but you know, we've got this thing we're putting together and, and she says, all right, when can I taste? And I was like, like in a month, because <laughs> we're not done with it yet. And she waited and she had the pizza and she loved it. And that was our first wedding. So we started the company. So one wedding and here we are. And yeah, and last year we did uh, between rehearsal dinners and weddings, 70, 80. It was crazy. What a great rehearsal dinner idea. Yeah, it's fun. I'm, 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 I'm cool for pizza any night, every night of the week. So rehearsal dinner, you know. I mean, I, I just think that would be super fun. It's a lot of fun. People think that you're getting like leftover chain pizza that's cold in a box and they're going to microwave it and give you a slice. And then when we pull up with the truck, they go, oh. It's a little different. Yeah. And then we do a buffet. It's like a, you pick four pies and we do that in salad. All you can eat for two hours and people just go crazy over it. But you've been doing this particular business for a, a while now. 10 years. 10 years. Was it always weddings and has it always been event based or is it, are you going to like festivals and things like that? I mean, because that's how he trained me on I go, oh, this is great because I mean, anytime you go and just open the window to sell your gambling, like you don't know if people are going to show up, you know, if the event's going to be success, is it going to rain? You don't know, you know, but with catering, it's contracted. You know how much you're going to make, whether it rains or shines, you got to feed people, you know, so it's, it's just a better business model. Now, being out at the breweries and out in the neighborhoods and stuff, it's pretty much making money to advertise, you know. And then you can put out literature and people are like, oh, you do weddings? And Last time you had your pizza, it was at Final Gravity, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, we I, go there once a month. Wait, you know, I have a girlfriend, Shannon. She lives over there, so sometimes we Great need Great place. Pizza. I mm-hmm. love Lakeside so much. It, oh, yeah, it's, it's just a very supportive area. community. Everybody's wonderful over there. It's, it's walkable. You know, you see people out and about and enjoying it. It's just a cool spot. 
How have things changed for you in the last 10 years with this business? Oh, God. Are we including COVID in that? I mean, we sort of have to, I think. Were you busier or less busier during COVID because you were outside? COVID was the dragon we had to learn how to drive. So my wife and I had gone to Seattle in February of 2020, not knowing what was going on. Like you're seeing on the news, you're like, oh, wow, this stuff's happened in China. It, it could be bad, right? So we come back in February, and I was actually getting sick then, and we don't know if I had COVID or not because there was no test for it. Nobody really knew what it was. It was all brand new. And we had just put in online ordering into the truck with the touchscreens, and I'd started that mainly from the fact that we were handwriting tickets up until that point, and they would chicken scratch on the ticket, and i go, what does this say? Does this say Stephanie? They go, no, it says Jim. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what is happening here? Like come on, man, block print it something, or the, the ticket would blow out the window or something. It was just, you know, easier to have it on a screen where you could, you know, put it online and it would text people when they pick it up. And so we just put this in. And so, of course, everybody's freaking out. They're all staying at home. Nobody's going in. They're putting all these mandates in place. And I'm like, all right, well, we can pull the truck up. We can set their food on a table. We don't have to see anybody touch anybody. We're all in our little microcosm. You know, I tell everybody, I go, look, if we're going to work, you guys need to stay home. Like, be smart about this. Let's stay in our own little bubble. Everybody's like, okay, let's do it. And so we were going to uh, Halsley. It's a big neighborhood out in Chesterfield. And I called the lady that booked us, Jane. I was like, hey, you know, we've got this online ordering system. We want to try it out. What do you think? She goes, let's give it a go. So we turn it on. And everybody has a cash register in their hand. And within like nine minutes, we had $1,800 in orders. And I'm like, shut it off. Shut <laughs> it off. And it took us. And they're like big family orders. Like nobody's got anywhere they can go. Everybody's ordering like crazy. And I'm like, holy crap. This is nuts, right? And so then they start calling, right? And they're like, this is crazy. It's like the Hunger Games trying to get food from y'all. And I'm like, may the odds ever be in your favor. <laughs> I was like, what are you going to do? It's one truck, you know? So we slog through that. It takes us like almost three hours to get through all of that because it all comes at once. Sure. And of course, people are pulling up and they're, you know, getting upset or whatever. And uh, I said, all right, let's turn it back on just for a minute, see what happens. And that was stupid because then we had like 1,205 minutes. Like they were all waiting. I was like, oh, God, we did it to ourselves again. How many ovens are you running right now? One. One oven. How many pizzas in an oven? You could get seven or eight in there at 900 degrees. Then every 90 seconds, you've got. It's 900 degrees, 90 seconds. 90 seconds, yeah. But you got to figure that dough's got to be stretched, topped, loaded, cut, boxed. If they ordered wings, those wings, the salad, all got to meet at the window. It's all going to go out at the same time, you know. And how many folks are in your truck working? At that time, we had four. We should have had six. Now we do it with five. So right. you have... My math isn't great. So how long does it take, like, if I, on a normal night, how long does it take from order to serving? Depends on how serving? many ahead of you. Sure. That, let's makes, say, that makes sense. Well, I mean, yeah, it depends on, like, but I, let's say 20 minutes, right? That's a yeah, good average yeah. amount of time. It's probably, And that's, I mean, just think, large family orders, that's like 45 or 50 minutes. Imagine it's like a to-go order, except he's in a truck. So if you were to call a pizza place for a to-go order, they're going to say what? Half an hour? Half right. an hour. Right. So he we, just has to do it in closer quarters that with are you, far with warmer. With you staring at him. With me right. looking directly at him. Yep. Yeah, it gets a little hectic sometimes. So we, we've been out here long enough, and the places we go to, we go to often enough, that people understand, you know. Like uh, certain breweries, you know when that rush is coming. Right. Like you'll get there. It's slow. 
we'll use that time to do a wedding tasting. You know, I mean, it's the brewery at four o'clock. It's slow. You sit down, you figure out what they want, fill out their contract, whatever. And then the band shows up. I'm like, all right, gear up. Let's start pushing out dough. Let's get ready. You know, you got boxes folded. Anything else need to be prepped. And then it's just on. And you're trying to, you know, because those ticket times are on that screen. So you're looking at it going, God, we got to hustle. We got to hustle. We got to hustle. We got to hustle, you know. And sometimes, man, you just can't out-hustle everybody having a cash register. Sure, sure. And then, of course, if you shut it off to catch up, then they show up and they're like, hey, we can't order. I go, I know, man, we're trying to catch up. <laughs> I want you to be able to get pizza. Right, right, right. So is it still like that now? I mean, sometimes, yeah. three years into yeah. COVID? Right. I guess we're still into like, COVID. And you got to understand, people have shifted where it is they want to be. And that's like why Hardywood West Creek is so successful. They're sitting on 60 acres of open air. So you can go out there, and I don't care if there's 5,000 people there. There's room for everybody to not be on top of it. And it doesn't – when there is 5,000 people out there, it feels like there's four people out there. I mean, it's a big spot, so that makes total sense. And they understand now – they've been doing this a minute – that when they know they're going to have a certain event, they'll put three, four, five trucks out there, and that way it spreads it out, you know. So – I want to walk back a little bit because prep is a big deal in what you do. It's a very big deal. Um, From flour, because let's just go with that's the beginning point, to dough, what's the time frame there? Three days. We try and cold ferment for three days. So, For people that don't know what that means. It means you make the dough and you keep it just above freezing so that it takes a while for the yeast to eat the sugars and develop the flavor. You want it to go slower. We have an old sourdough starter anyway, so it's it's pretty potent. And we feed it with a whole wheat flour, which is like giving it steroids. A lot of people feed their starters with milled flour, fine flour. And so it takes longer for that starter to develop. When you give it whole wheat, it's like, boom, let's go to work. You know? it, it gives it a little hulk to it. Yeah. yeah. I, um, so th- Three days, that is a lengthy period of time. Yeah, it's a constant. We're constantly, because you have to constantly feed that starter different sizes. Like, are you maintenance feeding it? Are you feeding it for 600 dough balls? Are you feeding it for 800 dough balls? Do we just need 200 dough balls to get through the end of the week or whatever? So we have this constant Caroline. uh, She's my chief operations officer. She's always on top of that. I'm texting her like, all right, what's the feeding program? You know, and so today we have people in there making dough for Saturday, you know, and then Tomorrow, they'll make dough for first of the week, you know, to get a little bit more ferment time. And the longer you ferment it with sourdough, the tangier it gets. And I love it super tangy. Not everybody does. Like, I've sometimes I'll push dough out to like 14, 15 days. You're just like keeping it just above freezing. And you can tell when you stretch it or you make it into a loaf of bread that the gluten structure in it is it's almost done. But then when you eat it, oh, my God, it is so good. I like it out far, too. But I <laughs> actually really love that whole – it's like it's not it's not acid, but it feels like it's yeah, acid. Like yeah. it's very cool. But so three days, then it, all of that comes together in 90 seconds. Inside the oven once right. it's in there. Yeah, once it's in the oven, it comes together that fast. So – I think a lot of people don't know this. You are fully wood. There's no, no gas, no gas, no light it with else. a lighter or a match every day. Yeah. You got to build a fire in there every day. It's and, one of my favorite things. And how long does that take? It doesn't take long because like at my house, I keep a 30 ton splitter and I've got a bunch of wood under a carport that I built just for that. And so every morning I'm out there splitting wood or I'll split it the day before. And as you're splitting it, it creates bits and pieces that are much more flammable and tiny. 
So you just, you know, paper towel with a little bit of olive oil on it and stick it in there and build a fire like you would a Boy Scout. And Seems like a lot to do to make this pizza. I, I mean, splitting I wood, making dough balls. Yeah. The right way to make pizza. Truck though. maintenance. Right. It's like having a restaurant where everything's made from scratch and then pack it up and put it on the road. It's the poly pocket of restaurants. It's crazy. What are you personally doing? I mean, you're not doing all that every day. No. So what no. are you personally doing? And how many, so you said you have four to six on the truck, but how many people are in this organization? So we've got five full time right now. And then I have a woman that worked for me years ago and then her uh, boyfriend's a chef and she's from Northern Virginia. They end up moving up to DC so he could get a job up there. And I called her uh, six, eight months ago and I was like, look, I need somebody that understands this business because it's got a lot of moving parts. Do you want to do social media? Do you want to do some office work? Because you can do so much stuff remote, you know. Man, she took me out of the Stone Ages. I got out of the paper calendar. Everything's on Google Calendar now. So now Caroline can see the whole Google Calendar. When contracts come in, I just take a picture and send it to her, and she puts that up there. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So it's taken a ton off my plate as far as having to sit in that office where I hate sitting, you know. Sure. But there's still, like, you know, you got to make sure we have clean tablecloths. We got two rehearsal dinners on Friday night. Both trucks are going out. The one truck's been sitting. That oven's got to be preheated for three hours at least to saturate the, the stone with heat. You know, that's where where I was going with how long does the fire take? Yeah. Is like it has. You have to. You got to preheat it, yeah, because you can't have a cold oven. Otherwise, you just get a gummy pizza. And so, the big truck that goes out almost every day, that oven stays hot. You know, what I mean, you'll you'll, you'll come in in the morning and. The screens that we drop the pizza on when we're done at the end of the day go back in that oven so they get sanitized with heat. Like anything that's on that is burned off to nothing. You can pick that thing up and tap it and it just looks like brand new, you know. And uh, so you take those screens out. You still can't touch them. They'll be 450 degrees. You know, you'll burn yourself touching those. So you take them out with the peel and set them to the side, let them cool off. And then, you know, sweep out your oven if there's any ash in. You pull it, put it in a metal can, put water in that can, let it sit, and then you rebuild another fire. How long did it take you to wood fire cooking is nuts. Yeah. It's, I, I always say it's a science <laughs> it's, it's because crazy. it's oven with heat, but it's very temperamental. Is it 36 degrees outside? Is it 90 degrees outside? Is that dough proofed now or does it still need to be proofed? Do you have a coal bed in there? Is the coal bed too small? Is the coal bed too big? Is the wood too wet? You know, right now I, I got a shipment of wood in and it's not a season as it should be. So you're splitting it smaller. Uh, we call it idling. You'll idle a piece of wood in the back against the wall until it starts shuddering. And then most of that moisture's come out. Then when you even get it close to the fire, it just pops on. Up. Yeah, it starts up. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lot to it, man. You know, the front three or four spots where the pizzas go get hotter faster because it's right in front of the coal bed. And so there's this constant communication. Like if somebody's got to take a break, you know, if Caroline's running the oven, I go, where's the oven at? She's like, the front's rocking. Be careful. You know, so you, you, you got to be real careful how long it sits there because you'll burn the bottom and not know it. And then you lift it up, look at it. And you're like, ooh, that's not edible. You know, so you're constantly like lifting that pizza while you're turning and cooking. And, and is it getting too dark there? Do I need to move it over? Do I need to screen it? You know, it's a lot of stuff. <laughs> what are some of the pizza lessons that you learned from your father? Oh, I think the lessons I learned from my dad encompass all of it, not just pizza. Everybody says I'm just like my dad because my dad was kind of a tough individual. We just lost him this past Christmas. He was 97. Oh, wow. So he uh, the kind of guy, he went into World War II when he was 16, like forged his mom's signature, stole a Notary Republic stamp, and then went off and did Vietnam and did Korea and then came back and worked for the Virginia State Prison System for 25 years. So it's like. 
he was a really hard guy. You know, he did not take a lot of crap from anybody. <laughs> and it seems, I, it seems like he earned that. Yeah, you're just like your dad. And I go, yeah, I know. I, I can be abrasive at times, but I try to do that in a good way to where, you know, like my people are taken care of, right? Like, don't come up to my window and abuse my window person. I don't, we don't tolerate that. You know, be nice, be kind. Mm-hmm. We're just making pizza. Nobody's pulling a cat out of a tree or a burning building here. Like, we're just making pizza. Let's all just be nice, you know. So that and just hustle. You know, my dad hustled all the time. He worked two jobs. He had six kids. He was always doing something, you know. So it was just learning how to hustle. And you make pizza for people because, one, you like people, and one, you like pizza, you know. So that was his thing. Have you eaten too much pizza? Never, (laughs) ever. People say, oh, have you had their pizza? I go, yeah. What, you eat their pizza? I go, man, I eat people's pizza all the time. And it's funny because, you know, we won like Style Weekly Best Pizza in Richmond. And sure. we tied, right in 2020, we tied Richmond with, Magazine, Best Food Truck. I mean, like, yeah, yeah you've run, we, we've you've got some a, awards. We've, we've been out here 10 years, so we've won a few things, you know. And we tied with Frank's over in Stony Point. And at the time, my social media girl was like, oh, man, you know, what do you want me to say about that? I go, I want you to say that we're grateful to be tied with Richmond Institution. And I didn't know them. You know, I'd eaten there before, but, like, I wasn't friends with them. And it was funny because I had gone to uh, PFG to the dock to pick up some food. And Giuseppe, whose dad started Frank's, you know, and now he's running it, was sitting over there. And I said, God, that guy looks familiar. And he was talking to somebody. And we're just eyeballing each other. And then finally he walks over. He goes, are you Joe? I go, yeah, you Giuseppe. And then we just started laughing. And him and I have become best friends since because That's of that. so fun. Yeah, so he's brought his family out to the truck like Hardy Wood, And we go eat there all the time. His, He's got a... Bang in Detroit style pizza. It's incredible. Thursday I nights, Wednesday nights. What? It's, it's one night a week, nights. right? Yeah. Thursdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh I've yes. Heard Detroit is good. Is Detroit's good? You haven't had it yet, Ruby? No, I've had Sergio's. Sergio's is killer. Joe Canigliari makes I've, a killer I've, Detroit style, I've, and I live near there, so I'll get his. Detroit. You're out in the South Side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had I've had Sergio's. I've had the new one that's at Bingo. Um, I, I didn't even know Bingo did pizza. They just started. Okay. They're fermenting it with um, one of their lagers. They're interesting. So it's, it's yeah. And they're only doing Detroit style. Uh, yeah. Interesting. All right. Um, I've had Secret Squares. You probably know Willoughby. Yeah, I know Willoughby. I haven't had his pie yet. I got to go to his papa. And that's the worst thing about being in the in the food industry. If you work, we're all working at the same time. You know, my friends that own restaurants are like, why don't you come by? I was like, well, I haven't seen you in the truck lately. Well, exactly. So. But all of these pizzas we're talking about are incredibly different in my opinion right i mean he you're a cold ferment sourdough right i mean american style it's, yep. it's neapolitan neo neapolitan yep yeah. i mean that's what they i guess what they call the, right. the hot the heat oven but it's not double o or like one of those things that neapolitan right. gets out but like you know fire and hops is also neo neapolitan but not yeah. the same guy fire as and hops is the oh no that's the one on the, that's belmont mm-hmm. What's the one in the old gas station off Cary Street? Hopcraft. That one's pretty good too. Yeah, I like. I, I enjoy Hopcraft. I think that they're, they're doing solid stuff over there. They are doing. But solid I mean, that's stuff a bigger, there. flatter. I mean, pizza. Right. It's a just a totally different thing. Right. So that kind of brings me back to what I we kind of got off on a tangent. No, I love it. People will talk about who has the best pizza, and I feel like it's such a loaded question from the get go because you're doomed to fail with the answer, right? Because. The best is always a collection of opinions, right? And sure. a lot of people, especially New Yorkers, because they live in such a segregated pocket, right? They're like, oh, only New York style, but you got to get it from 52nd and 3rd Street from Benny. You know, like mm-hmm. they they are tied to that because 
pizza especially, I mean, food is like this all a lot, but pizza especially is tied to memories, right? Like you remember being a kid and sitting at the bar and getting the slice, especially in places that are big cities like New York, New Jersey. Where, so people have this belief of what good pizza is. And I personally think that they'll eat something. They go, oh, it's not as good as this one. And a lot of that is because the memory's not tied to it, right? Sure, it's often never about the food. Right. Nostalgia. Yeah. Nostalgia so I eating. I often say, people go, oh, do you want to be the best pizza in Richmond? I go, never. And they go, why not? I go, I want to be one, one of the best pizzas in Richmond because I love Richmond. I've lived here all my life. It's collective. I want it to be a big borough or a big neighborhood, right? And you can't have that if you start off with the chest pounding, right? Mm -hmm. I want to go sit at somebody else's place and let them make me a pizza. Oh, that's the other one, Galley. Galley makes a good pizza, too. So, so I love Galley pizza, but Giustino, when he was there, was well, killing And I ferment. never met him, but like I, people knew him, told me about him and the stories and stuff, and then I would go eat the pizza. i go, oh, yeah, he's, he's knocking this out of the park. I love it when somebody <clears> gets like, and I'm going to call your process geeky, which is not <laughs> meant to be. The nerds. But I love it when somebody loves something so much. There's a passion that's put behind it. And I think that, in my opinion, is the best pizza in Richmond. Sure. You're not slapping down dough and just no. slinging it out. Like you have thought process. Sergio has a wonderful thought process behind right. his doughs that he does in the South Side. The guys that bought the fire and hops from him mm -hmm. are carrying it on with that massive Oven. I haven't been back in there. I never actually went in when it was fire and hops. I went in when it was the one before. Uh, the New York guy from Pasta Luna who yeah. built that oven. I don't know what his name is, but Peter. His name was Peter. Yeah. And yeah, no. I, the other one I really liked, and it killed me that COVID destroyed that restaurant, was Nota Bene. And it wasn't just the pizza, and it wasn't just that we were good friends. It was that bolognese that she made they were making that pasta man i would mop it Two out the bowl ovens in that place yeah, running well, fire like crazy uh, right could, and we were busy so like anytime i can get out to a restaurant man it's a treat you know and so like we would try and get down there as much as we could man when that place closed it just killed me so i have questions because the there's been food truck drama in richmond and you've been around for oh, the Lord. food truck drama um no, there was no at comment. some point, yeah, oh, we're, it said like seven years ago, so we'll, we'll ha rehash it here. There was a point in time when there was like food trucks that didn't get along with other food trucks. Mm. That's probably still, some, probably still some of that going on out there. Uh, maybe. But for a little while, it was in, the entire thing was instigated by just a couple of individuals that are no longer in the food truck scene. Mm. You said a little earlier that you're out at Hardywood with four or five food trucks. Do you mm. guys share food now or how time. does it work? All the time. Yeah. Uh, people trade food all the time because even though I do enjoy my food, you eat it every day, you know? So it's like if El Guapo's out there or Labette or Casino Calle and those guys are like, Oh man, we're working those guys today. I'm getting some tacos. Or Labette's got those crab rolls or the smoked Gouda shrimp and grits. Don't even talk to me about that. Oh, I love them. my God. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, can we get that pizza? They're acting like they don't want to eat their food. You know, so everybody's trading, you know. Do you think that there's more camaraderie now that COVID happened? You guys were out together a lot more? I think so. And I think it's that a lot of us have started trying to be more inclusive because there's enough business for everybody out here, right? And people... Some of the technology, like with Street Food Finder, has taken away that personable interaction that you get with somebody that has a place that wants food. And now they've just kind of 
set a spot up to where anybody can book it. You know what I mean? And you've got new trucks coming out that they're excited. They want to do some stuff. They don't have the experience and they might get out there and then they run out of food or they mess it up. And then it just gets a bad vibe going for that spot sometimes. Or, you know, you got people that just aren't nice that own food trucks like anything else. And they get out there and they cause problems. And it's part of the reason that most of your breweries have gone to get in their own food truck or getting their own food now because people, certain individuals just weren't dependable, you know. And then he would come back on us and, you know, the, the breweries had their own issues with booking too. It wasn't just the food trucks fault. Like it, you know, it takes two to tango in this thing, you know, but it doesn't help when you say you're going to be somewhere and then you're not, you know? And so you had to start your own campaign of, Hey, that's not my truck. That's not me. Like I need to have this personal connection with you where I can text you and go, we're going to be there. You know, and it's a joke. Uh, Trey owns Midnight Brewery. I joke with him all the time because people cancel because it's raining. And we started when we did that first wedding. We did it in a winery. It's now uh, 53rd, I think it's called. It was Cooper Vineyards back in the day. That's where we started our it, business. I think it's 53rd to half or 53rd, so, yeah, some, something like yeah, that. Something yeah, something like that. Their wine's incredible. It was a great, it's a great place. And on the way back, we in 2013, we had saw that uh, Midnight Brewery was there, and they were in a tiny little spot brewing out of stuff the size of trash cans. I mean, it was just a real tiny. They were 800 square feet, 700 square feet. And so we had stopped to talk to them and set up in the parking lot. I'm like, man, we sold 10 pizzas today. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> but uh, we got to know him. And then, you know, they grew and we grew. And, you know, people – and so we have a huge following at Midnight. We always do really well out there. And so – I. Whenever it's raining, we're heading out there. I'll text them. I go, hey, man, uh, hate to tell you this, but I'm a delicate flower and it's raining. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to be there tonight. He, he just sends back, ha, 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 because he knows we're coming. So I think people don't know that um, you guys are still expected to serve out of a truck when it rains, right? Just like mm -hmm. a regular restaurant. Also, you guys are expected to go through all of the rigmarole a regular restaurant goes, but and then in some. a mobile. And then some. So what is the then some? So... A regular restaurant doesn't have to worry about flat tires and inspections on trailers and new brakes and trucks breaking down and uh, fire suppression that gets rattled apart going down the road. You know, like you get somewhere and all of a sudden, oh, great, the fridge broke loose and fell over. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sure, we can't get started. We get that back in place. Does that really happen? It's happened a number of times. Yeah. And you, you're just things are shaking going down the road. And I don't know if you guys drive on the streets here in Richmond, but they are not the greatest. Oh, they're incredibly flat. <laughs> smooth. My, my favorite so is, smooth. is 195 going over the train yard where it's like you're skipping and jumping. And then you take the ramp to get off on 64 and you chip a tooth at the top of the ramp and chip it at the bottom of the ramp. And I'm like, how do they not fix these? 295 was the worst 895 out there. I mean, it would make the truck and trailer go squirrely because you're doing this, you know, and finally they put some tar in there and leveled it out. I'm like, God, somebody's going to get hurt, you know? My so, pizza's going to be messed up, more yeah, importantly. Yeah, yeah. The fridge is going to fall over. Right, right. The fridge is going to fall over. So, yeah, now when I bolt things in, I use locking washers and I use, like, liquid nails. And it's a constant, every week's inspection. I drove a tractor-trailer for a few years working for Loveland Beer Distributors. And when you get your tractor-trailer license, part of driving that and your responsibility for driving something that could just crush somebody is you need to walk around that and do a checklist and it needs to be the same every time. And I instill that in the people that drive for me too. I was like, look, man, don't just jump in this truck. You know, 
there's five things on that hitch that needs to be locked down. You need to check these tires. Are they going bald? Is there a problem? Are the hubcaps in place? Did you lock the windows? You know, we had that happen just recently. Tuesday, we're getting a new lid put on the window because we went to do the uh, the Smithfield uh, smoke thing at Main Street Station. And as we came across 18th or 17th, you know, boom, boom, it's a big dip right there. The window opened, caught the telephone pole, ripped the window off of it. And I was like, all right. That looks sexy. Let's go serve pizza <laughs> out of this. So with all of these, I'm not going to call them uh, problems, but let's just call them challenges. Challenges. Have you ever considered opening the brick and mortar? Yes. And there's been a couple of almost times where we did it last year. The problem is, is that because our business is unique, right? We do a lot of weddings. We're known for weddings. We have to continue catering and running the trucks. So... If you're going to do that, I need a place where I can have the trucks, where there's enough room to clean them, fill them, load them, maintenance them, keep them stored properly and safely, and still run that restaurant. And it's just very difficult to find that, you know. We, we've looked at a number of spots, and I'm like, man, can I keep the trucks here? No. Can I keep the trucks up against the building? No. And you're just like, ugh. Where and do you keep them now? I've got a little – I found a little strip mall or it's like a little industrial strip mall. It's over off near Genito and Hull. And it's owned by a storage facility, which kind of wraps around it. And like, uh, it's kind of like do your own thing. So you go in there and they had a front office and an ADA bathroom and a garage. So we just went in there and built a kitchen in there. And, uh, then got inspected by the health department. Sure, did all the things. Yeah, right. did all the things. And we can keep the truck there. We can clean the truck. We can fill the truck water. We've got separate hoses for cleaning the truck, a separate uh, water hose for the, the actual sinks. And uh, it's small. It's about 850 square feet. And we're busting at the seams there. But The way that you go about making your pizza, is it dictated because you are making it in a truck? Or that's the kind of pizza you wanted to make and it just happens to be made out of a truck? It just happens to be made out of a truck. I, we just continue to make – I don't even – like the only time taking anything we do on the road comes into play is just how do we make sure it gets there and back safely, right? So like you go into an, a regular pizzeria and they'll have the dough trays and they have like six dough balls in each one. Mm-hmm. Where am I going to put 500 dough trays with six dough balls in it? Like that's crazy, right? So we individually bag ours so they have their own little biosphere, which we didn't realize at the time can slow down or speed up the proofing process. So then we learn like, okay, we're going to Hardywood today. It's going to be a banger. They're having this festival. Even though it's going to be four trucks, we need to take 550 dough balls. Well, we only got so much refrigeration. So now your ice blanket, layer of dough balls and big coolers, ice blanket, layer of dough balls, ice blanket. And I'm setting alarms on my phone, right? Like every 30 minutes, just, just go, what's your dough status? Oh, where are we at? How many doughs are out? How many doughs are idling? How many doughs do we need to get out behind that? You know what I mean? How fast are these pizzas going out the window? You know, or it's the reverse. The storm blew and ran everybody off. We're sitting on 550 dough balls. How do we make sure we don't lose these? Right. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, okay, everything gets into the fridge, you know, or go to the store, give me 10 pounds of ice. And then let's layer these down and get them in the cooler. Don't anybody open that cooler, you know, so it stays 32 degrees in there. Yeah, It's it's right above freezing Mm -hmm. because we're layering, you know. What's so your dough status? I what's like your that dough question. Status? Yeah, could add that to crazy. my dating profile. Yeah, is your dough status? Yeah, my dough status. <laughs> Red or green? <laughs> yellow? Yeah, we we rarely run out because we keep two or three days worth of product at the shop, and I always have a runner. You know, and there were times back in the day when we'd be at Ardent, 
And I go, we're going to run out of dough in about an hour and 15 minutes. And we got three hours left. Somebody make a list. What do we need? Get in that car. Don't get a ticket, but get there, get that and get back here. And there's times when they run in with a fresh tray of dough balls and I'm pulling it out of there and making it for a pie that's got to go out the window, you know? What is your price point these days? How, like when people order, are they ordering full pies? Are they ordering slices? Are they ordering are there different sizes? Is everything kind of the same it's size? One size, and you can get a slice. You can get it sliced, but they come six at a time in a circle. So one, it's in between a, a shareable pizza and a personal pizza. But like how hungry are you? Yeah, there we go. Snack for two, meal for one. And the toppings that you like. What are your go-to toppings? So that's the other thing. It's like, how many toppings can you carry in one prep table? And I love running specials. We got a, our version of a Cubano launching tomorrow. Oh, yum. And it's good. It's really good. So, you know, it's got pork. It's got Virginia smoked ham on it, mustard. And then when we tried it, we're like, ah, man, this thing needs some onions. And they're like, you don't put onions on a Cubano? I go, well, we're not in Miami or Cuba, so we're going to put it. It's our <laughs> RVA version. And then we tried it. We're like, oh, God, yeah, it's much better, you know. Um you want to be able to come up with your standard creations where your toppings can crisscross, you know what I mean, for different stuff. And we have way too many sauces. You know, we do a, a garlic pepper ricotta that we have to make. We have a fire sauce that we have to make for our version of a buffalo chicken pizza. We're making our own barbecue sauce. We're making our own ranch. We're making our own blue cheese. We make our own marinara. The crushed tomato, we just get a really high-quality pureed tomato, and then we puree it again. And add just a little bit of salt to it just because it's got a little bit of peel left in it. You want that smooth, you know. So you're, we make a lot of different pizzas with a set amount of toppings. And then when we run a special, that special gets put into like Ziploc bags and gets in one-third pan. So you can reach in the walk-in or in the, the low boy and pull that out, make that pizza, and then put it back downstairs so that it's not you're not trying to have 500 things out at the same time. Because you're also trying to do time and temperature, you know, th those lids are open, you know, when it's hot outside, I want those lids closed if we're not making pizza. You know, you've got to be mindful of keeping food safe, you know. And how has the uh, cost of ingredients and the supply chain issues impacted you over the last few years? Nightmare. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, 2019 chicken wings were $50 for a 40 pound box and the height of it, they were 180 and then you are they going back down? Oh yeah, they've gone back down, and we've lowered our prices down to 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 match that. So you you, know? you guys have done the price hike and then the price lower now? I'm trying to, yeah, I try and stay on top of that. Sometimes I'm off and I lose money, and sometimes I'm on it and I make money. So but. I think that's really cool to hear because I don't know as I've heard a lot of people say. I mean, I understand raising the prices if the prices are raised on you. I don't right. hear a lot of people say you know now that they've lowered them. Yeah. Instead of charging you twenty five dollars for well, when we had to go up to twenty dollars for ten wings, 18. I go pull them off the menu. I'm not doing that. Yeah. yeah. And then it came down to $15 to make money on 10 wings. I go, ah, there's restaurants out here selling them six for 15. We can do 10 for 15. And then we just, the prices just came down a while back. So now it's $13 for 10. And if it continues to come down, then we'll lower it again because at the Dude, end of the day. Dude, that's awesome to hear. Well, at the end of the day, I'm a blue collar guy. You <laughs> know what I mean? And, and to me, the worst thing about COVID, like the one thing, because I'm an extreme extrovert with ADHD, you want to kill me, put me by myself painting a closet. You know what I mean? I'm just like, ah, you know. The fumes might kill you. It's it's all late. So positive, Scott, is <laughs> all the time. But not being able to go to happy hour and sit at the bar and have beers and chicken wings and have somebody tell me some stupid story that happened to them today 
that makes me want to laugh so hard I almost fall off the bar stool. That is my greatest joy. And COVID just took that from all of us. I mean, the deep depression that we had from just being by ourselves, you know, you're like, God, I need some people. I need to laugh. I want to sit around a fire pit. You know, it was just crushing. And especially for a lot of blue collar people, man, because their jobs are like, no, you can't come in. You're like, what do you mean I can't come in? You know what I mean? Like, I got to pay the rent. I got to pay the mortgage. Like, these kids got to eat. You know what I mean? So it, I'm very mindful of that. And on top of that, you know, somebody will go, oh, it's all of your stuff, pasture raised. Is it? Is it all organic? I go, are you going to give me $45 for a 10-inch pizza? Because mm-hmm. I can go get that. I mean, we're as ethical as we can be, right? And we source as much stuff as we can, but we also have to take into consideration that people only have a wallet that's so big. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not serving millionaires every day. So what is that price point? What have you found the price point for a pizza? Let's just say the regular pizza that you do. Right now your cheese is what, like eleven fifty, because mozzarella is still very expensive. But what's the what was the peak point? What was the high point that you People stopped buying it because you were like, they it's, did. It's, I just ate it. I ate the cost. <laughs> I just ate the cost. Okay. You know, and you just went, oh, how long can I do this for? Right? In your head, where is that Where is that price point that people would not buy a, a pizza? In my head, that price point probably would have been about $15, $16 for a cheese pizza, a yeah. 10-inch cheese pizza. Yeah. You know, Because you can only get, you know, people go, all right, man, I can't. I mean, I love your pizza. But, you know, like the defibrillator. <laughs> <laughs> the defibrillator is five different kinds of meat and one piece of spinach. <laughs> and we named it that because like, I'm like, it's five kinds of meat. I think it, it's heavy. Like you eat that whole thing and you're taking a nap. I don't care what you had planned the rest of the day. You're done. And a lot of guys, especially that order that pizza, they go, can I get it without the spinach? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and they're like, why not? I go, because it's funny and it's my business. You can and, take it off if you want. <laughs> right. And I had this guy one time. He was so mad I wouldn't take the, you know, my, I heard the, my cashier go, no, we're not allowed. Well, let me talk to somebody. I go, I'm the boss. I own this. The answer is still no. And he goes, well, I'm going to take it off anyway. I go, well, it's yours. You can do whatever you want to. So then I forgot about it. We were busy, right? And I'm taking pizzas out of the oven. We're working. We're working. All of a sudden I hear, hey, hey. I'm like, who's screaming? I turn around and here he is holding the pizza up. He'd already plucked the spinach off, and he throws it down like a petulant five-year-old. He's like, hey, you like that? I'd never laughed so hard in my life. (laughs) I was done. Like somebody else had to take it. I was like, that's the best thing I'd ever seen. Thank you. Thank you. You You made your point, man. (laughs) You do you, buddy. Ten years of making pizza for people. Lots more years before that, probably eating pizza. As the winner of multiple pizza awards in Richmond, if you're ordering pizza, what's the right way to order it? What do you get on your pizza? Oh, God, that's also a personal thing. We, we actually I have know, that I'm conversation. I know, I'm asking you personally. So I love all kinds. Like, I'm all over the place. Like You, know, you some, have a go-to. Somebody will get a pizza. Well, it depends on the mood I'm in, too, right? Like, if I'm trying to drop a few pounds, like, right now, so I'll, I'll stay away from the defibrillator a little bit. And I'll get a margarita and just like put a little bit of bacon on it. Or I'll just get a margarita. And the beautiful thing about a margarita is you forget how simple and delicious it is, right? Like as Americans, we're like, extra cheese, uh, put that cow and that pig on there at the same time. And, you know, we want it loaded down and, and we want shredded piles of cheese where traditional Neapolitan style, they put these little tiny blips on there, right? And Americans go, that's cute. What topping is that? You know? Mm-hmm. 
But there's times where I just don't want to eat that heavy, right? And so I will eat just a margarita and, and you're sitting there chewing it going, God, you really forget how good it is to just taste tomato, just taste basil, just taste a little bit of the mozz and the sourdough. It's very simple and it'll shut you up. You know, I'll go in and my go-to when I see people eating our food is, are they talking and eating or are they just eating? And nine times out of 10, they're just eating. And I'm like, oh yeah. They I got go, the margarita. Yeah, go, well, they, whatever they're eating. <laughs> you know? the, the Fulton Hill Pizza is really good too because it's a, uh, it doesn't have sauce on it. It's garlic, pepper, ricotta, but it's still sausage and pepperoni. So it's meaty, but without that tomato. And you're going, what's happening here? I really like this, but it's not my normal. Same with our Hawaiian. There's no pizza sauce on it. And I think the reason that people hate pineapple on pizza is because they get one that has sauce on it. And sauce is so acidic, it takes over your entire profile. And so you don't get to really taste the pineapple as it comes. It's tomatoey pineapple, right? So we don't put it on there. It's just an olive oil base with red pepper, black pepper, sea salt. And then it gets parm, mots, the pineapple, smoked bacon. And then we hit it with that spicy honey like I brought for you guys today. And you're like, man. I can taste the pineapple. I can taste the bacon. I can taste the, I can actually taste the mozz because that acidity is not overwhelming your profile. You know, now I want pizza. Do you want, (laughs) welcome to my world. Oh, you want, uh, well, you think all pizza is good pizza. I actually want his pizza. You're listening to eat it, Virginia with Joe LaJoy, Roby Martin and Scott Wise. Thank you guys. We gotta check Joe's schedule and check him out. Like we should have a little pizza party one night this summer. Uh, what do you say, Roby? Can I? Can I? Can I? Will you commit to a pizza party with me this summer? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? We can all have our little personal pizzas. Yeah. Actually, you know what? He was really nice. He brought us a little card in which we can go and get um, a pizza on him, which I thought was real sweet. He didn't have to do that, so we can take those, Scott, and treat somebody to a pizza. I love that idea. I love, love, love that idea. And I'm sure Joe's Pizza will be our best bite for that week. What is your best bite for this week, Roby? What what have you eaten that has jumped out at you? Well, so this recent weekend was Mother's Day. Um, So my whole family, we went to Midlothian's Chef Kitchen. And uh, it was so good. I mean, it was kind of, first of all, I just want to be frank here. It is incredibly stupid to make a reservation for a restaurant on a holiday. (laughs) I still did it. I still, like an idiot, I did it. When did you try to make it? I made the reservation really early, like like way, like a month in advance. Um, But still, I mean, Everybody else, there was a line out of the restaurant. It was. Sure. I mean, so what do you suggest to people out there? Just uh, get a nice brunch at home? What do you think? I think that if you're going to celebrate the holiday or that is something that you all do or your family does and ours does because, you know, moms are cool. But I think you should do it like the day before or the three days after. Give you know, wh- four little restaurants uh, like a full week of Mother's Day celebrations. Give those good moms a full week of Mother's Day celebrations. Full year. Do, do a whole year. <laughs> it's all about just sharing the love whenever you whenever you get that chance. We all got together at Bidlothian Chef's Kitchen and watched them be overwhelmed, essentially. I am proud and honored to have had probably the best bite I had a week there, though, with their overwhelming. 
Um, I had a carbonara dish with like gorgeous pasta, incredible pieces of pancetta, and this beautiful, if you're familiar with carbonara, it's typically egg and pork, and then you mix it all together. Like the egg is like not all the way cooked. Well, they put this beautiful poached runny egg on this top of it, and you got to make your own dish, but not build a bear like the melting pot at, um, at the restaurant. I, I even brought it home for leftovers and carbonara is not pr- particularly good for leftovers. So best bite, there it is. Chef David Dunlap, congratulations on making Roby's Best Bite. If you want to hear Chef Dunlap's story, episode 56 back in March of 2021, we spoke to Chef Chef Dunlap. Uh, when he was I did not opening. see David, but I did see his wife, Brittany, Brittany, running around all over the place. On Mother's Day weekend, how rude. <laughs> he should have given her the night off, don't you think? I don't know. The, the line was like around the building out there for people for that them. wanted to eat. So, I mean, congratulations to them, one. And I hope that she has had the whole week off this week after that. My best bite uh, took place the weekend before Mother's Day. Ooh. And it was that we celebrated. My my aunt came to town with her with my uncle, her husband, and celebrating their 75th her 75th birthday. Nice. And we took them to Bookbinders. The, my best bite was something that I had never tried before. And it's an old New Orleans dish, oysters Rockefeller. And, Ooh. you know, I'm not a, like, I'll eat an oyster at a table because it's a fun thing to eat, but I'm not going to order like a plate of oysters probably. Oysters Rockefeller is something that I think I would order again and eat a whole plate of. Uh, wait a minute. You've what? never had an oysters Rockefeller? Never once in my and it, life. And the yeah. cream and the garlic. Yeah, all these great things <laughs> on a half shell. And I had never had it before. All right, I'm putting it out there to our listeners because I feel like this is a thing, Scott, that you should have more of. And there are loads, like loads of places that make really great one and great ones in Richmond. So here we go. Also, Bo, are you listening? Are you listening? Chef Kato, are you listening? Are you putting up the bow signal? Yeah, because you know what? I feel like he could just rip the pants right off of you with wow. his <laughs> that's, a, that's a vivid image you just uh, put <laughs> yep. in my brain. Thank you for that. You're Something welcome. Bookbinders that I wanted to ask you about real quickly before we wrap up the podcast. The Wild Ride of Bookbinders? The Wild Ride of Bookbinders. Our server, who was very personable, very great, and very upselly. Uh, talk to us about the things on the menu that he would recommend. And then he was like, don't order this. It's not very good right now. I was kind of like, the, that look you're giving me right now, listener at home, Roby just gave me the bug eye, like mouth drop. Love it. That's what I was going to ask you. Love it. That's what I was going to ask you. What do you think about a server telling you what not to order as opposed to what to order? So I'm sure people are going to get irritated because obviously you're supposed to talk about it all. And servers are supposed to be like, everything's amazing. However, that some menus don't change seasonally, right? So let's go ahead and talk about maybe a caprese salad. I don't know what she, the server told you not to order, but I would not order a caprese salad in the winter. Tomatoes are not going to be resplendent then. So I would love it if the server was like, you know what? It's just average tonight. I mean, it's passable. We'll serve it. You'll like it. 
But these three things are probably seasonal and delightful. I just don't remember ever experiencing that before with such like, maybe if you ask the question, we get the response, but we didn't even ask. He was just like, don't get this because we're not hitting it right now. I think that that's uh, great. I mean, you you work hard for your money, Scott. You know, I say that all the time. You'd love to be told. I mean, I would. I want to be told where I should spend it, where I shouldn't. Uh, any openings you got for me? Grit Coffee just opened. Scott's. Oh, yeah. We talked about that sure. before the interview. Yeah, yeah. Flay Burgers and- opened maybe yesterday. Today is May 17th in the north side. My sister, this is a crazy thing. My sister, there's a brewery. I'm from Farmville, Virginia. My sister happened to be at a brewery that is in Farmville, Virginia, and had some jerk chicken at a Trinidadian spot. And they have opened a restaurant called, I'm going to butcher this. I believe it's Trini Rodi. Okay. Which is going to serve Trinidadian, well, Caribbean food, right? On Hull Street. Pretty cool. I don't know if you've had a lot of um, incredible Caribbean food, but she said it was banging. Um, what else is opening? I'm trying to think. Is there anything else? Uh, your favorite, Harold. Oh, we got a new chicken fiesta coming. I think it has opened over there off Jefferson Davis. Harold, can you please come on, man? Gosh, I need to talk about all your chickens. Yes, Harold, if you're listening, this I'm going to end the podcast with, please, please, please come talk to me about your chickens. Don't be a chicken, Harold. Come on the podcast. <laughs> oh, you're a cheese ball. This episode of Eat It, Virgi- Eat it Virginia? Really? <laughs> This episode of Eat It for <laughs> No! Oh, God, no.